All right, well, let's pick back up uh, where we left off in our series on uh, the precious blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus. And I'm going to read uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 25 to begin with, uh, King James, and then we'll do a couple other translations. Who God has set forth to be a propitiation, literally it means a mercy seat, if you look that up uh, in the original, uh, to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, uh, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Amplified says, who God put forward before your, the eyes of all as a mercy seat and a propitiation by his blood. The cleansing and life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation to be received through faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance... He passed over and ignored the former sins without punishment. Let's read uh, Lovett. God offered Jesus as a public sacrifice with his shed blood, uh, that his shed blood might cleanse us from our sins that we put our faith in him. At the same time, this act vindicated his justice. The sacrifice of Jesus clearly showed why God in his forbearance or his patience was able to overlook the sins of men in the past. In other words, God is completely just, but he is also completely loving. And the only way that he could overlook your sins or my sins or your past or my past is if the price was paid for those wrongdoings. And that price was paid by the precious blood of Jesus. So God set Jesus to be a mercy seat and it is through faith in his blood that we come. Well, we talked about in the tabernacle the, the, that man's hands made according to the pattern that God had given them, which is uh, just a, a shadow or a, an earthly uh, human type of picture of the true holy place in heaven. Uh, that in that place, in the most holy place behind the veil was uh, something called the Ark of the Covenant. And above the Ark of the Covenant, they had uh, the, the lid for it had two cherubim, which, which are a type of angel with their wings outstretched behind them like this over the Ark of the Covenant. And there were precious things in the Ark of the Covenant. We're not, that's not our subject. And so those were made of pure gold. Like the lid was pure gold and the cherubim were pure gold all out of one piece of, well, they melted down, but it was pure gold. Uh, no impurities, all pure. And the Lord said, I will meet with you at the mercy seat. In the most holy place. And so above the Ark of the Covenant was this mercy seat. And that's where God would meet with the high priest once a year. And that was only with blood. And, uh, you know, of course, we know uh, in Exodus, the Lord said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. So when we look at the power of the blood of Jesus, we find that his blood and his blood alone uh, gave us. The badge of access or the right and the privilege to enter into the most holy place that any human could enter. And that is to the very presence of God, to the most intimate part of God himself. And that is the mercy seat. Well, the only way we get there is through faith in the blood of Jesus. Faith in his blood. And so we believe in his blood. Uh, you know, Mark eleven twenty two. Anybody know Mark eleven twenty two? Jesus said what? Have faith in God or literally have the faith of God well why is he saying that well because 
they are uh, marveling or they're, they're shocked because, uh, you know, Peter's like, hey, that tree that you cursed, it withered away. That, that tree, it, like, you spoke something and it caused something to happen. You didn't even touch the thing. You just spoke to it. And he said, you know, he answered their question, their statement. Have faith in God. Lay hold of the faith of God or the faithfulness of God. Whoever will say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but believe. Not doubt in your heart, but what? Believe. What? That those things that you say shall come to pass. Do you know, uh, I'm not, hopefully, you know, I love teaching on faith and I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to do right now. But, <laughs> but it's dangerous. Okay, so he said you'll have whatsoever you say. If you what? Don't doubt in your heart, but believe. Well, how can you believe? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or the rhema of God, which is the word that God makes real to you, which is an operation of the Holy Spirit. If you will, when you, when you tomorrow morning or afternoon or whenever you do it, I can do it at the beginning of the day because I act much better if I do uh, when you read the word, read the word with the Holy Spirit. Words, I remind the Lord. He said, put me in remembrance. And I said, Lord, you said that uh, I don't need a, an earthly teacher. I have a heavenly teacher and he lives on the inside of me. And you said he will guide me into all truth or all reality. And if you ever need a time where you really need true reality, it is today. Because there is so much deception that is... Um, you know, permeating throughout the earth. You know, it's not just the United States. Do you notice that? It's not just the United States. It's like international. It's almost like there is unseen forces orchestrating this. It's almost like there are unseen demonic forces orchestrating this. It's like such deception, right? You know, they actually, the Bible says, uh, if it's possible, even the elect would be deceived. So don't be shocked if somebody's deceived, and don't be shocked if you're deceived for a second. Uh, just rely on the Lord. So Jesus said, have faith in God, uh, whoever will say to this mountain. Well, that doesn't mean that you can just say to any mountain or any challenge in your life, be removed and cast into the sea and don't doubt in your heart, it'll come to pass. That's what I was hoping you'd do, is get real quiet. No, Jesus said, first have faith in God. So the way that for me personally, I know I can speak to this mountain. If I believe and don't doubt in my heart, it'll come to pass. Is if what I am saying I got from him. If my faith is in him. Because I don't have that kind of power. But he does. And Jesus even himself. You notice he didn't say have faith in me. He had, It is so nice to see you. Praise the Lord. He said. Have faith in God. So he gave us like. He gave us the pattern and the example. And so he's saying, like, you're amazed at this? And he said, I might be amazed at that myself if I didn't know him. Right? He's like, oh, have faith in God. You're wondering how this happened? Through faith in God. I trusted in him. And it, 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 he told you to do it. And if he told you to do it, he told me to do it, then it can be done. It's actually not that hard. If you will not let your flesh dominate you. So some people want to do that, and they, they do it from an uh, arrogant 
uh, proud uh, standing. But when you understand it is because of God's grace that you're even breathing your next breath, you're drawing your next breath, that the world itself doesn't just fly to pieces because he holds the world together. Uh, then you understand, you know, it's all about you, Lord. You know, Paul said, you know, why do you boast like you, you did something? Everything you have, you have received. So if everything you have was given to you, that you have received it, uh, why do you act like, well, it's all from me and I'm so amazing, right? Because that's, that's one of the biggest hindrances, the pride of life, right? Jesus in the parable of the sower said, that is one of the reasons that uh, the seed that you receive or that you hear doesn't actually produce a harvest in your life is because the pride of life and the lust of other things and the deceitfulness of riches, right? He goes on and on and, and lists several examples. And so Jesus said, have faith in God. Whoever will say, and then what things whoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. When, when do you believe that you receive? When you pray. When you pray, do what? Believe. So we make things too complicated in the kingdom of God most of the time. So it's real simple. Jesus said, when you pray, believe. Imagine if every time you prayed, you believed. You'd probably get results every time. Because every time you believed. But it's real easy to just, well, I pray every day, so I just pray. But I'm not praying, believing. Uh, believing is the verb form of faith. Faith is a noun. Believe is a verb. Have faith. And if you have faith and you're exercising it, that is belief. So I believe, therefore I speak. We also believe and therefore speak, right? That's how you came into the kingdom and that's how the kingdom works. And so uh, Jesus said have faith in God. And so if you want to have faith in God, you have to get into the presence of God. Faith brings you into the presence of God. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Abraham, the father of faith. Some people call Brother Hagin the father of faith. <laughs> but the Bible calls Abraham the father of faith. Right? You know, uh, Paul said you not, have not many fathers, so he is a, fa a father in the faith. But Abraham is the father of faith. Right? Alright, so let's go. Verse 12. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of circumcision only, but also to those who walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which uh, he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So Abraham's promise was not... Uh, uh, under the law or through the law. It was actually before the law. And he goes on to say, why? So that Abraham could not just be the father of the Jews, but the father of all that would believe, the father of faith. So God was very particular uh, that Abraham was the father of faith and acted in faith prior to the law being given so that we couldn't uh, kind of misunderstand it and try to do what our flesh wants to do, which is earn our way to God. All right. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect, because the law works wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be made sure to all. Amazing. It is 
of faith that it might be by grace that this promise is 100% sure to all. In other words, you can believe. You might not be able to work a lot harder. You might not be able to be more disciplined. You might not be able to uh, figure out your own way. But you can trust God through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you do that, the grace of God, you better get ready for a truckload of grace. And then another truckload of grace. And then another truckload of grace because of what Jesus did. Where did I leave off? There it is. Okay. Uh, sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but also that which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father uh, of us all. Verse 17. As it is written, this is God speaking, I have made you the father of many nations. What's the next two words? Before him. Whom he believed, even God who quickens to death and calls those things which be not as though they were. As it's written, I have made you the father of many nations before him. Some translations say in his presence. And so uh, you get into the presence of God and your faith is like major activated. And how you get into the presence of God is by what Jesus did, by the life he gave, by the precious blood. His blood is a mercy seat for us. And it is by his blood that we come and we receive um, not only cleansing, but we receive forgiveness of sins. Not in a mini, M-I-N-I, small, very short-lived, but I'm a, a newborn now. Study on forgiveness. And so we're people of faith, and so uh, forgiveness is good, but we really talk more about cleansing. Uh, but you know, I, I was studying forgiveness uh, because I said to Melody a couple weeks ago, I said, isn't it interesting when you hear Jesus speak or you're, you're reading the word, you know, you're listening and you, you hear him speak. He talks a lot more about forgiveness than what I hear most ministers talking about forgiveness. And I thought, well, maybe he knows more than what I do. <laughs> right? It's possible. We would all say he knows more than us, but we might not all act that way. That would mean that we mentally agree that he knows more than us, but our faith does not demonstrate that he does. Right? So the difference between mentally agreeing to something and believing it so much that it just changes uh, you on the inside. And it changes how you live your life. And how you approach the, the challenges of life and the joys of life. Sometimes your greatest challenge is a blessing that comes your way. We think a lot of times, well, the greatest challenge is adversity. That's not always the case. Sometimes there's great blessing that comes your way. And the deceitfulness of those things draw you away. Right? But you know, God's plan and the blood of Jesus was paid so that you could actually have tremendous blessing with tremendous humility and tremendous faith. So God's not trying to take something from you. He just doesn't want those things to control us, right? It's not money that's evil. Money has, it's, it's not good or evil. It's the love of money. It's the allowing money, finance, power. Let's speak to everyone in D.C., right? <laughs> Influence. It's allowing that to take the place that only belongs to God. 
right? And that, that doesn't matter where you live or where you're from. Uh, it's important that Jesus is Lord. Not you, not the president, not, not anybody else, but Jesus is Lord. Um, so it is in the presence of God, before him whom he believed. And so I did this study, uh, a little study on forgiveness. Do you know what forgiveness literally means? I said that they, when they were first, when uh, Paul was writing some of these things, he would write, write on this parchment paper. And what, what he would write with, and I didn't study it long enough to know exactly, what, remember what it was called, but there was this like, um, this ink substance that they would write with. And after it, it wouldn't actually adhere to the paper. It wouldn't bond with it. But it would last and last and last. And that's why some of these old scrolls you can still see. And so, but what they would do is if they messed up, they would grab this like sponge thing. And before it, it was uh, hardened or set, you could actually wipe it out so that it, it was completely released from the fibers of the parchment. And so when Jesus is talking about forgiveness and Paul is talking about forgiveness... He's talking about wiping it out like that, like it's completely out of existence. So not like taking it and putting white out over it. Oh, that shows my age, doesn't it? Okay, let me, let me get into the 21st century forensic area. Not like redacting or hitting delete. Because you know you can hit delete and they can still find it. <laughs> get my get my history correct here in present present time. No, it, it, your sins are actually wiped out. Uh, one illustration they said was it's like a when you have a chalkboard. If you actually wash the chalkboard, that they are completely removed uh, and completely forgiven. You know, forgiveness is a. Uh, Maybe you could call it like a master key. Forgiveness is amazing. And forgiveness is so powerful. Because forgiveness is a power that you have and that I have and that God has. Was it in Ephesians uh, where the Holy Spirit through Paul said, Be kind one to another, forgiving one another, even as God. For Christ's sake has forgiven you. Well, if he said, forgive even as God, that means you can forgive and I can forgive the same way that God himself forgives. So you can wipe out the memory of that, the attitude of that, the demeanor that that brings with you, the same way God does. So what happens when you're forgiven? Well, if I'm going to uh, forgive my wife, she, you know, she bees my wife. She bees my wife. She bees my wife. She is my wife. So she gets to, she gets to be, be involved in some of this. So uh, if I'm going to forgive my wife, that means if she did something that was offensive to me or that I didn't like, I would do it the other way, honey, but it's hard to do the illustration. So... <laughs> If I see her, if, if she, if I forgive her, she says, will you please forgive me? And I, for, and I say, I do. If I see her five minutes later and I have any animosity or any attitude or any um, 
uh, I just, you just frustrate me. You just annoy me. You just, right? I have not forgiven her. I have not wiped it out. There's still something there. What happens when there is forgiveness? Fellowship is restored. What is fellowship? Do you know, do you know when um, Paul talked about the communion table of the Lord? It's actually the same word for fellowship. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about receiving communion, you're talking about this close, uh, uh, closer than friendship, this close relationship with the Lord or with another person because it's fellowship between the saints and fellowship with the Father, right? And with his son, Jesus Christ. Truly our fellowship, you know, is with the Father and Jesus Christ. That comes how? By the blood of Jesus. Even the communion table, of course, is talking about the body and the blood of Jesus. And in that close closeness, there is nothing between me and him. There's no like ill will. There's no like, oh, you did this and so uh, I'm holding this against you. No, when he forgives you, he wipes it out. And then he gives us the power to forgive. Amen. Okay, and so this forgiveness, one of the other reasons it's so powerful, I believe, is because, as I said, we can all forgive. So if I forgive Joe, Pastor Joe, if I say I forgive you, my attitude uh, towards him is we're close. I'm open. There's no, there's nothing. I'm not going to, he's not going to say something. I'm going to be like, you ever notice when you're like, you're not in uh, forgiving someone? <laughs> That all of a sudden, you get like this, uh, you know, uh, he was a television producer at Joyce Myers for a long time. So we kind of think sometimes together, because I did that, we think in like uh, these type of terms. So there's like no lens filter on there. Because like, you, you don't forgive, so there's this lens filter, and everything looks just a little dirty. Or there's like this spot on the lens, right? I mean, if you wear glasses, or you take pictures with your iPhone or something like that, you get something on there, and every picture you take, there's this spot on there. So every picture I take of... Uh, Pastor Joe, there's a spot. Oh, there's another spot. Well, let me let me change the angle. Oh, there's still a spot there. <laughs> I, I still see the spot. Every time I see him, I see the spot. There's a, just a little bit of eh, on the inside of me. Right? Because I haven't forgiven. But when I actually forgive, we're clean. The slate is clean. There's nothing between us. So now when he says something, I don't have these lens filters that come up and skew my vision. Yeah. What you see is what you get. So think of, think of a situation, if it's ever happened in your entire life, where you've had to forgive someone. <laughs> you might, it might happen once or twice, okay? So think of that situation right now. And think of when you actually forgave. How did it affect... Uh, your spiritual and your soulish demeanor. In other words, did you feel like released once you forgave? And then when you look back and thought, oh, why, didn't, why did I wait so long to do that? I should have just forgiven. I, I should have just done that. Well, that is from your heart or from your spirit when you forgive like that. So there's a couple ways. I, that's two main ways I know to isolate your spirit. One, if you're filled with the spirit, you begin to pray in other tongues. And you can't pray in tongues without yielding to your spirit. And you're, you, immediately you've located your spirit. Right? Why? Because it's with your spirit or your heart that you believe, not with your mind. 
You may say like, oh yeah, you get real religious with your mind and try to get real self-righteous and everybody look at me and I'm so amazing and everything like that. Uh, God's not impressed by that. In fact, uh, he came down the hardest on that. Remember the, uh, was it the publican and the Pharisee? The publican beat his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the Pharisee said, Lord, I thank you that I am not like these other people. I do this and I do that, right? The, the, the Pharisee is telling God everything about himself. But the publican was telling God everything about him. About his mercy. You know, so we come by the blood of Jesus and we're like, Lord, I just come by the blood. Yeah. Do you know Jesus shed his blood on the earth? And then he took that same blood into the heavenly holy place. The most holy place. The real holy place. And he offered it one time for all people. So that his blood is ever speaking and is always and forever effective for all eternity. And the same power that his blood had when he died on Calvary and he took it into the holy place. The same power uh, of blood, of his blood, is effective for you and me today. And it's speaking for us today. In fact, sometimes we talk about pleading the blood of Jesus. But do you know what? The blood of Jesus is uh, the blood of Jesus is forever in the holy place pleading for you. Well, the holy place is where God is at. The most holy place. And so in that most holy place where God lives, the blood of Jesus is forever there speaking about you. You are not guilty. You are as pure and right and I forgive you just like I would, would forgive anyone. And I have a relationship with you just like I have with Jesus because of his blood. Because when I see you, I see you through his blood. It is through his blood that we have an approach to him, to God. Through the blood of Jesus, we have an approach to the Father. I want to read you uh, a story and then uh, we'll finish. During the Franco-Prussian War, in one of the regiments where discipline was very strict, one of the soldiers had disobeyed orders and was to be shot under sentence of court-martial. It's a little more strict uh, than, uh, than it is right now, right? <laughs> My Air Force brother over here. It's okay if you're in the Coast Guard. It's not a, it's not a problem. Or any of the other services. <laughs> We're very thankful, but just, you know, when you get in trouble, they call the Air Force to come from above. <laughs> okay? I'm just... All right. I'm sure I'll hear about that from somebody afterwards, but okay. <laughs> okay, under sentence of death. One of the soldiers had disobeyed orders and was to be shot under the sentence of court-martial. He was in great agony of mind, and an hour approached for the execution... So the chaplain was sent to him. Are you ready to die? The chaplain asked him. No, replied the prisoner. I am not ready. But that does not trouble me. I am troubled about my wife and little children thinking of their sorrow and of their future and of such a memory as they will have of me. When I think of the years of misery and sorrow they must go through, I cannot even think of my soul. Oh, I am so distressed. I am in despair. 
There was a fellow Christian man, well advanced in years in the regiment, who heard all of this. Greatly affected by it, he stepped forward. I'll tell you what I'll do, he said. I'll, I have neither wife nor children to mourn for me. It'll be nothing for me to die. I would be glad to be with my Lord. Let me die in your place. He talked to the chaplain and the commanding officer. They were so moved by the man's sacrifice, they did not know what to do. So they referred him to the superior officer who could hardly believe the story. Do you really mean it? The officer asked the Christian. Yes, replied the other. There can be no question about it. The poor fellow is not ready to die. It would be eternal death for him. To me, it would be a quick transition to Jesus, whom I will soon see anyhow. I have not a friend on earth who would be worse for it. Let me take his place. The officer was both touched and perplexed. I've never had to decide anything like this before. I have no authority to make such a substitution. Suppose I defer the case for a day or two to lay it before the crown prince. So the officer galloped off to see the crown prince, the soldier following, and brought the case before the crown prince. The crown prince was deeply moved. My brave fellow, he said, after he had listened to the proposal, I have no authority to take the life of an innocent man, but I have the power to pardon. For your sake, I will pardon the other man. Go back and tell him. Hmm. What a picture of Jesus Christ. Except for, of course, that the life of him that was not guilty was taken or really given for the guilty. So in Jesus and in his blood, we have the greatest offer and plan and picture of forgiveness and redemption and pardon. Amen. While we were sinners, Romans 3 says, Christ died for us. The godly died for the ungodly. I want to uh, close with Luke chapter 23, verse 32. This is Jesus speaking, New Living Translation. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. Dave, I don't know where you're at, but you can come up here. They nailed him to the cross, and the criminals uh, were also crucified, one on his hand and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself, if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews... Save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too. While you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to death? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said to Jesus, 
Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus on the cross, he has two criminals justly sentenced, one to his left and one to his right. Even in the midst of that, didn't humble himself. But the other man, let's read the words of the other man. He said, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die. We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. I want to ask you this morning to take a look at Jesus. Just like that sinner on the cross. He looked over, he saw him, and he said, wait a second, I deserve to be here. He doesn't deserve this. He's not guilty. So in his greatest point of need, he looked to Jesus and he saw instead of looking to himself uh, like the other soldier. Stand with me if you would. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to talk to you this morning, uh, right now, I want to invite you to receive Jesus. I'm asking you today to make a decision to follow Jesus. I'm asking you to make a decision to serve him. I'm asking you to let him into your heart and to let him wipe away your sins. I'm asking you to start your life in a new direction. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that those that don't know you, Father, that hear this right now, that you will open their hearts and open their eyes to your love and to your mercy and to your help. Father, we thank you for the life of Jesus Christ and his precious blood that was given for us. And Father, we, we thank you and we just plead his blood over all of us, especially those that have not yet come into the family in Jesus' name. Maybe you're searching. Maybe you're searching for purpose. You, you could watch the news and find out like the whole world is searching. <laughs> they want uh, social justice, they call it. They're trying to get man's way to social justice, but the only true justice comes through Jesus Christ. The only true equality comes through Jesus Christ. Uh, the only true life comes in Jesus Christ. And so uh, people are trying to make their own way to God, but the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. The only true freedom is in Jesus Christ. Uh, the only true uh, purpose for living is to live for Him. And when you receive Him, you get a new purpose in life. When you receive Him, you get a new direction. When you receive him, uh, you get a brand new outlook on your life. 
And your life will forever be marked and forever be different. And you're saying, if you're saying, I'm coming to Jesus and I want you, you're saying, I'm not going to live for myself any longer. You're saying, I'm living for a higher call and a higher purpose, and I'm living for God through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you want to do that, I want you to uh, raise your hand right now, and I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few minutes. Uh, if you're online, you can hit the raise your hand button. Uh, you can send an email, info at anchordc.org. Or here in, uh, in the room, you can just slip up your hand. And uh, by slipping up your hand, by raising your hand, or by sending that email, you're saying, uh, I'm going to follow him. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided that I'm not going to live for myself anymore. Um, I want forgiveness. I want a new life. I want to go to heaven. I want to be a part of God's family. And I want Jesus Christ himself in my heart. Let's pray if you'd like to receive him. Say this. Say, oh God. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. That on the cross, he died to take away my sins. And that you raised him up again on the third day. And that he took his own blood. And it is forever before you. Declaring that I am free. And that I am right with you. Lord Jesus, I receive you right now. As my Lord and as my Savior. I'm going to live for you every day. For the rest of my life. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. In Jesus' name, amen.